You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And the fishing metaphor, it's a way to denounce injustice, especially injustice against the vulnerable, and it looks forward to the future for, for towards social change. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 289 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, uh, resistance, liberation, reparation, and uh, uh, transformation. Our title this week is Catching Big Fish, and I our uh, feature text is Mark 1, 17 through 18. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will show you how to catch big fish. At once they left their nets and followed him. And that's my my personal paraphrase of, of this passage. And last week, um, I was reminded of the hymn, How Can I Keep From Singing? And I'm usually not a not a big fan of hymns, but this hymn, it's been around, it was it was around for quite some time in a minority of hymnals up until the the 60s but Pete Seeger he popularized it in, in the folk music of the of the 60s and Seeger incorporated even an, a, an additional verse from Doris Penn and um, she was actually the one who taught Seeger the hymn and and Seeger then modified the lyrics too he, he made them he gave them a much broader uh, reach it, it was much like how we today can speak of uh, the reign of love where the gospel writers use the word uh, kingdom, as 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 we talked about last week, but I, I want to share with you Seeger's version of of this song as we begin this week. I think the lyrics are relevant to what we're talking about. Uh, My life flows on an endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the real thought far off hymn that hails the new creation. Above the tumult and the strife, I hear the music ringing. It sounds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? What through the tempest loudly roars, I hear the truth it liveth. What through the darkness round me close, songs in the night, Night it giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? When tyrants tremble, sick with fear, and hear the death knell ringing, when friends rejoice far and near, how can I keep from singing? In prison cell and dungeon vile, our thoughts to them are winging. When friends by shame are undefiled, how can I keep from singing. And if you'd like to, to check out a, a live version of Seeger's rendition, I'm going to put a link to uh, um, uh, uh, um, a 1982 concert where he was singing this live on, on YouTube. Uh, I'll put a YouTube link there in this week's eSight. But, but these lyrics, uh, they inspire me to, even when it doesn't look like things uh, uh, can change. They inspire me to keep believing that change is possible, that another world is possible, that faith communities that are characterized by a different set of values than what I was raised with are possible, that that societies that are just and, and safe and compassionate uh, are possible. And this leads me to our text about fishing this week. And I briefly shared about this passage in uh, Social Sins, Social Justice, and this Jesus Stories. I'll put a 
link to that article and that podcast in this week's site too. But I shared about this before, how the Hebrew prophets they originally their original use of the the fishing metaphor and and how that was used in the gospels and how that 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 was more political than religious during the christian revival era of the 50s and 60s especially here in the united states uh, fishing language was popularized to be fishers of people it was popularized and it was transformed to mean bringing people into the christian faith but jesus's audience especially the working fishing people of Galilee and Judea, they would have had a different association with this metaphor. And consider again how this metaphor is used in the Hebrew prophets. First, this is Jeremiah 16, 16. I am now sending for many fishermen, says God, and they shall catch, and it goes on to talk about the people of Israel. In Amos 4, 2, it says, but the time is surely coming upon you when they shall take you away with fish hooks. In Ezekiel 29, uh, 3, thus says God, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I will put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your channels stick to your scales. This language of, of catching the big fish, it was used as a symbol of disrupting and overturning unjust power structures by the Hebrew prophets, both within Israel and, and the Gentile empires. As Just like Doris Penrode, how can I keep from singing when tyrants tremble sick with fear and hear their death knell ringing? That's, that's what the fish metaphor was about. It was about catching them and removing them. And 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 I love how Meyer sums up the Jewish background of, of this fishing metaphor too, and Jesus, how Jesus might have been using this language with the fisher folk of his day in our text. This is from Meyer's book, Say to This Mountain, Mark's Story of Discipleship on page 10. Jesus, in other words, is summoning working folk to join him in overturning the structures of power and privilege in the world. And and the fishing metaphor, it's a way to denounce injustice, especially injustice against the vulnerable, and it looks forward to the future for, for towards social change. And this impacts those who endeavor to follow Jesus today in relation to Christianity's complicity in unjust power structures. Gutierrez, remember, he writes, the denunciation of injustice, it implies the rejection of the use of Christianity to legitimize the established order. And that was from his book, A, A Theology of Liberation, page 69. Christianity has often been used to legitimize uh, injustice and unjust, uh, unjust established orders uh, like patriarchy, um, white supremacy. Uh, Christianity has been used to bolster slavery and colonialism and, and today homophobia and biphobia and transphobia. And each of the synoptic gospels, what finally got Jesus executed was his overturning tables. He was challenging the established order of economic and political injustice that was being bolstered by religion. And that's still happening in, in Christianity today. And, and what I also find intriguing about the Jesus stories is that although this is a story of overturning unjust structures of power and privilege, it's also a story about alternative ways of doing that. This is a story if you will, of alternative fishing methods. From Jesus' teachings on reparations and nonviolence and wealth redistribution, especially among the poor, to the, 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 the how the story actually ends with a, a resurrection after a violent death. 
the stories about Jesus, they're stories where resurrection is the means of overthrowing the crucifying power of evil and injustice. And as I've said so many times before, the Jesus story... It, it doesn't say that the cross was Jesus's saving work. If anything, the cross was an attempt. Uh, it was an attempted interruption uh, of Jesus's saving work, and it was overcome through the resurrection. The resurrection reversed everything that was accomplished by Jesus's execution. It, it did so as an alternative, life-giving method of overcoming evil and 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 and, and, and overcoming unjust uses of, of of violence, especially the violence of a cross. And speaking of unjust structures, especially structures of power and privilege and how those are being overturned in the Jesus story, Reverend Cannon Kelly Brown Douglas, in her book, uh, Stand Your Ground, Black Bodies and the Justice of God, she reminds us God's power is not a power that diminishes the life of another so that others might live. God's power respects the integrity of all human bodies and the sanctity of all life. This is a resurrecting power, and that's the point of the resurrection story element in the Jesus story. This is a resurrecting power. It's a life-giving power. She goes on and says, therefore, God's power never expresses itself through the humiliation and denigration of another. It does not triumph over life. It conquers death by resurrecting life. The force of God is a death-negating, life-affirming force. And the Jesus story, again, it doesn't overturn injustice and hierarchies and exclusion by just adding more death to the already existing death. Uh, Douglas goes on, she quotes Audre Lorde, and this is from Audre Lorde's The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House in, in Sister Outsider, uh, page 112. It says, The Master's Tools will never dismantle the Master's House. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. And so we need more than temporary solutions. And at the same time, we have to we can't underestimate how much damage mitigation temporary solutions can accomplish. I don't want to negate temporary solutions. But while we engage the that damage mitigation, we're to work for a more lasting change too. And ultimately we have to work to end structures that kill marginalized people, methods that, that have worked to keep us alive at one stage of our human evolution, enabling some to survive at the expense of others. Those methods have to give way to life-giving methods whose goal is now the inclusion and the survival and the thriving of us all. And I believe that we can evolve further. And, and, and the challenges in our text this week are, are, are just that the gospel or the good news, it's the potential for a change in the status quo. And, and this should give us uh, cause to, to, to question and let go of the status quo, especially if we're benefiting from it. And rather than, than continuing to, 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 to religiously legitimize uh, our, our established order, the gospels also challenge some of the means and the ways that we, uh, that, that we undo or we overturn unjust established orders. It, it challenges the ways that, that those orders are changed and overthrown. And, and lastly, uh, there's a change in the status quo that must not end in, in just adding more death 
to death. It has to come through an overcoming of death. It must be an overthrowing, a reversal, a rejection of death that results in in life and a respect for, as Douglas said, a sanctity of the life of all. It, it has to be a refusal to let go of life, and not just my life, but to let go of a life for for to let go of life for everyone. And as I shared last week, in the language of the gospel, uh, if the language of the gospel, like the word gospel, or, or, or the name Jesus, or, or God, or, or even heaven, or other Christian terms, if those are associated in your experience with abuse, then like Seeger, call them love instead. Seeger had to change the lyrics of the hymn that we began with here today from, from since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing to since love? Love is Lord of heaven and earth. How can I keep from singing? And that's okay. More blood has been shed in the name of Christ than almost any other name in human history. I'm questioning it just because of capitalism, but I would have gone even further than Seeger. I would have changed the word Lord too. And what we're talking about is the reign of love as our established social order. And if the word love is also associated with abuse in your experience, what we're working on is we're working toward a world that is just, that is safe, that is equitable, and it's compassionate for you and for us all. It, just like Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 1, 17 through 18, and again, this is my own paraphrase, come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll show you how to catch big fish. And at once these fishermen, they left their nets and they followed him. Heart group application this week. This week in your heart groups, I want you to exchange in this, engage in this exercise uh, uh, together. Number one, I want you to name a few unjust power structures that you see in our present social arrangements today, both in our larger society and even within your, your own faith community. And actually, as a group, write those down, make a list. And then number two, thinking of Jesus's actions uh, with the temple money changers, describe how you would imagine that Jesus would engage with some of these unjust power structures uh, today. And then number three, Renewed Heart Ministries Book of the Month for June is a history of the world and seven cheap things. If you're reading this volume with us this month, I want you to discuss as a group how you see the power structures that you've named, how they play into larger systems of, of injustice. And exercises like these, they're useful because they begin to, to help us challenge uh, the way we look at both our world and our faith in following Jesus. And next week, we're, we're, we'll build on this. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are today, choose love. Keep living in compassion, action, and justice till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. Another world is possible. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.